Oh, Camp U this week. Anyone who's going to be going to Camp U, if you come down here, we'd like to pray for you. Come on. Come, 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 come. Yeah, like in the middle. Yeah. Uh, Would y'all stand and stretch your hands out and pray with us? Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Father, for this group and the others, uh, because I know there's quite a few more who are going to be going on this camp. I pray, Father, that it would be it would be an anointed time. That it would be that it would be a time of destiny for people. Uh, it'd be a time uh, when the fellowship would be strong and sweet with each other and with you, Lord God. I pray that the worship would be powerful. I pray that you would meet with each one, Lord, that each one would have an encounter with you on this camp, Father, life-changing encounter, and that you would also keep them safe and bring them back safely to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't normally uh, bring something out to sit down on, but um, I have a tendency, I, I don't know if anybody's noticed this or not, but I, I move a lot. I'm, uh, I'm kind of wired that way when I'm uh, speaking, I move around and, uh, and even while I'm sitting, you know, I, I just move. And uh, for where we're going to go today, uh, I, need, I need to sit down. Uh, I, I need to sit down and kind of go, okay, Ronnie, stay here. Stay here. Uh, Will knew where, where uh, the direction of the sermon was going to go today. Uh, he did not know um, what verse I was going to preach from. Because the last time we talked, I didn't know what verse I was going to preach from. Uh, but uh, when the Lord gave it to me, I went, of course, that's exactly the kind of verse that you need for a day when you're going to talk about true freedom, when you're going to talk about being, uh, uh, what what does actually the bulletin say the title of this sermon is? It's how to be free indeed or something like that. Yeah. Okay. True freedom, how to be free indeed. I just, you know, made it shorter uh, because of our attention spans. But uh, would you stand with me? And let's read uh, a couple of verses together here. Oops, I better turn this on. Yeah, maybe that'll make a difference. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the life that is in your word, for the, for the power that is in your word. I pray, Lord, that that power would be transformative in us. I pray that we would, that a different course for our lives would be set today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Okay, this Wednesday uh, is is pig out day. It's uh, hamburger and hot dog day. It's uh, it's the day we celebrate our country's 
birthday, uh, 242nd birthday. And all I got to say is that didn't take long uh, to come around because I remember when Margaret and I got married, the country had just celebrated its bicentennial. And it's almost halfway to another hundred years for crying out loud. Uh, John Adams, who is the the guy actually in the middle of that picture there, uh, thought that January, January, July the 2nd would actually be the day that we'd celebrate independence. Uh, The reason he's in the center of that that photograph, it's not a photograph, actually, it's a painting. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Kodachrome. Uh, the reason that he's in the center of that is because he was probably the chief agitator for independence in Congress. And, uh, but while he was the chief agitator for independence in Congress, he was also the chief defense attorney for the uh, British soldiers in the Boston Massacre, the so-called Boston Massacre. They were uh, almost all of them acquitted. And you know, the country was polarized in those days. Our, our country's always been polarized. The difference between then and now is the polarization wasn't, people were not ideologues. They actually retained their humanity rather than being swallowed up by a particular ideology. And so they would do what was right. Uh, and that's what John Adams did. Anyway, he thought Jan- January. Boy, I, I guess it, it's... Heat stroke, that's what it is. He thought July the 2nd would be when we would celebrate independence because that was the day that the Continental Congress passed Richard Henry Lee's resolution on independency. But the 4th was the day when they started signing the actual Declaration of Independence. And so, you know, that day won out. So, such are the peculiarities of, of history. Um, but on July the 4th, not only do we eat hot dogs and hamburgers and, and shoot off fireworks, we, we hear a lot about the word freedom. Uh, we're celebrating our, our freedoms. And, um, and we do have a, a large degree of political freedom in this country. We uh, uh, really not the most of any country in the world, but more than most, quite honestly, uh, we have a large degree of political freedom. Um, but is that true freedom? Uh, on Father's Day, I talked about the word great and how we tend to define that word in the world's terms, how we tend to, to think of the world's concepts when we think of the word great. Um, bigger is greater. Richer is greater. Uh, stronger is greater. That's what we, we tend to think. Uh, but in, in reality, those words don't have anything to do with great. Um, not in the eyes of God and uh, not for a father, quite frankly. A uh, richer father is not necessarily a greater father. Stronger father is not necessarily a greater father. Uh, so, but when we, when we think of freedom, when we think of great, we think of those words because we're, we're coming from the world's perspective. When we think of freedom, uh, what kind of synonyms tend to come to mind? We also, I think, 
have our, our, uh, our, our associations with freedom by the world's um, standards and by the world's words. Probably one of the, the first synonyms that would come to mind uh, would be the word choice. I, I can choose. I can choose to vote or not vote. I can choose who to vote for. I can choose to come to church or not come to church. I can choose where to live. I can choose where to work. I, I'm free because I can choose. Uh, but choice, you see, a multitude of choices can enslave as easily as it can emancipate. Yeah. Uh, and choice is not the main ingredient in freedom. Uh, did the choice to get that payday loan really set you free? Yeah. You know, did, did, did the choice to, to buy that, uh, that hot tub? Because it was on sale. You know? I mean, how's that working out for you now that you're cleaning it more often than you're using it? Or you actually just forgot about cleaning it and, it's, and you shut it down? I, I was listening to a, an interview with, a, with a, an over-the-road mover uh, a guy who moves people <clears throat> uh, a couple of months ago, and a guy said, the three things that movers get offered free all the time, trampolines, pool tables, hot tubs. Yeah. You can, I, I don't really want, you can have it. Yeah. And of course, they don't, they don't want it either. Uh, you know, that's why uh, in the land of the free, we still tend to produce songs that say things like, freedom's just another word for nothing left to lose. Freedom, oh freedom, that's just some people talking. Your prisoners walking through this world all alone. It's because we don't know what freedom is. We, we think it's one thing but that might not be that might not be the case. See, there's really only two choices to be made: life or death. Those are the two choices. And once you make one of those choices, a bunch of other choices get swept off the board. If you truly make that choice, whenever uh, whenever in years past, I've, I've usually referenced uh, John eight. 31, 32, we're talking about being free uh, and talking about freedom. It, it, it's a verse a lot of people are familiar with, two verses actually. If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And then John eight thirty six goes on to say, so if the sun sets you free, you will be free indeed. And I point out that, you know, we tend to misappropriate uh, Really, and only take that one verse in the middle to say, the truth will set you free. And usually uh, we, we do that out of context. It's just that phrase uh, and, and, and think, you know, that's a great thing. And by the way, I'm getting ready to tell you the truth. And it's whatever I think yeah, is, is, is generally what it is. But what if you can't handle the truth? Yeah. Um, well, that's not an issue if you read verse 31. Because those who hold to Christ's teachings and become his disciples, truth's not a problem for them. You know, truth, 
Truth isn't an, an issue for them, and that's really, that's really where they, they, they learn the truth. Yeah. Um, you know, it's crazy. Uh, people, um, people have a tendency to go, well, you know, I, I love Jesus, I believe in Jesus, and I'm too tired to, um, to, to get up and go to church today, or I'm too tired to read the Bible, or I'm too tired of this. Uh, so what they're basically saying is, I'm a believer, I'm just not a disciple. I ain't going to be one. And I'm not quite sure how that works, but I think God's got that figured out, and I'm glad to leave it up to him. Uh, So what is his teaching, uh, and what does it take for real freedom? We have a a cultural affliction. It's, It's not entirely unique to our culture, but it's, Strong, it's a strong strain in Western, Western culture, and we're kind of the pinnacle of it. We, we have a cultural free, uh, affliction. Uh, we may be the land of the free and the home of the brave, but we're also the land of the weary and the home of the burdened. In our elders' meeting several weeks ago, we, uh, we took some time and went around, and I, and I said, you know, just what's going on? You know, what's happening in your life? What, what is, uh, you know, share with us. We, we want to we share life with each other. Uh, so I, I need to know what's going on in your life. And uh, I would say three quarters of the group, probably, not, not everyone, but, but probably three quarters of the group, the theme was, I am so worn out. I am just. I'm on the ragged edge, man. I'm tired. Got this going on. Work's going on. Family's going on. Health. Various things are going on. And I am just wrung out. And I don't think that our elders are are outliers. I don't think that that's atypical of the rest of, of the community. Of, of the rest of the culture. I mean, yeah, we're just... <sighs> Jesus said, I will give you rest. So where's the rest? You know, where, where, where is it? Well, he didn't just say, I will give you rest. He said, come to me, if you're weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, and this is how it's going to happen. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Now, I don't know if, you, if you've made the connection, but it's the same thing as hold to my teachings and become my disciple. Learn from me, hold to my teaching. Become my disciple. Take my yoke upon you. And notice he doesn't say, take your yoke off. Because you, that, that goes without saying, you can't wear them both. You're either going to wear his, or, or you're going to wear yours, or you're going to wear somebody else's. But the, the thing is, when we take our yoke off, dang, but it just shows back up again. I'll lay that burden down, and by the time the sun sets, there it is. I'm carrying it again. How did that, how does this happen? 
I mean, have you ever, have you ever, have you ever had that cathartic experience where, boy, I laid that down. Whew! You know, and if it was really strong, then it might take a whole week before you re- realize it's there. It's back. <sighs> but if you put Jesus' yoke on and carry it, then your yoke ain't coming back. If you, if you become his disciple, then your yoke can come. See, I'm not saying that, that you don't need to work. I'm not, when I'm talking about rest, I'm not saying you don't need to work. Uh, I, I'm saying you don't need to strive. We need to learn how to work without striving. Yeah. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. And the New American Standard uh, actually says, cease striving and know that I'm God. Cease, cease striving. See, the world would put a yoke on you of worry and competition and um, discontent. One of, the, one, of the, one of the warning signs that I see uh, in, in church members, leaders, as a pastor. One of the, war- the main warning signs that I see in people's lives is discontent. And when I see it, I know this is not going to end well unless something changes. And, and sometimes there will be this... Um, there'll be this um, Thing where they go, oh, it's a godly discontent. I know I'm supposed. I know I'm supposed. God does not. That's not how He works in our lives. You know, I know. Yeah, the mother eagle makes the nest uncomfortable. You finally have to get out of the nest, and and that happens once in the life of an eagle. That happens once. It's not the ongoing pattern for the way that things work. Paul says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. When I was working for, uh, for Social Security, I knew I was supposed to be in ministry. Full time. I thought I was supposed to be in full-time ministry. Now, I was, in, I was basically in full-time ministry, just nobody was paying me anything for it. Uh, I was working at Social Security to support my habit of working for the church. And, uh, but, you know, and, and, it, and at times I'd kind of complain to God about that. And, and what had to happen before he could make that move and shift me was go, you get content where you are. You get satisfied with the fact that when you go to work at that office each day, you don't go by yourself. You go, I go with you, and I am there. And you get content with the fact that I'm there. And then we'll see what happens. Uh, I've really only, uh, you know, uh, before, before Margaret and I got married, the church that I was in, I, I was. I didn't like a lot of the things that I saw going on, and I was kind of like, well, "God, you know this." And He said, "Get content, and then we'll see what we can do." If you can get content in this situation, not apathetic, but content, 
then maybe I'll put you somewhere else. See, the, the Lord really does give us rest when we come. Uh, the first, when I, after I graduated from college, the first show uh, that I did in Nashville uh, is in late 73, early 74. Uh, it was a show called Sticks and Bones. <laughs> it, was a, it was a dark, dark comedy. The only thing that is confusing about it is I'm not sure how something can be a comedy when nobody laughs. But it was a very dark dark comedy. The only thing that was humorous about it was the mother and dad were named Ozzie and Harriet, and the two boys were named David and Ricky. And you have to be a certain age to know what that's about. And, and I was Ricky. And, uh, and Ricky was supposed to be as annoying as all get out. And there was a, there was a reviewer in town in those days. Her name was Sarah Marlowe. And she, uh, she didn't write this, but she said it to the director. And I think it was one of the greatest compliments I've ever had as an actor. She told him, she, she told, CB was the guy's name, Crockett Bain, CB. Uh, she told CB, she said, every time that guy comes on stage, I feel like I have ants crawling all over my body. And, and I thought, yes, that's exactly what you're supposed to feel. I'm doing such a good job. Um, 18 months later, now, you know, I mean, I did other roles, and hopefully she didn't feel like she had ants crawling over her body. But 18 months later, I gave my life to the Lord. And the first show I did after giving my life to the Lord uh, was a Dylan Thomas piece called Under Milkwood. And I was one of the, one of the, the, the narrators. Those are really good roles in that show. And she came up to CB afterwards and said, what happened to him? What happened to that guy? So something has happened to him. And what she was sensing was something in my life that had been going, bah, 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 had now become rest. Now become peace. Stop. Slow down. Understand this. He is God. He will be exalted. Nothing can prevent that. Nothing can keep that from happening. Jesus' yoke is very different from the world's yoke. Jesus' yoke can be summed up in one, one verse. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. And you know what the things are that he's been talking about? He's been talking about what you wear, excuse me, what you wear, what you eat, where you're going to live, what, what's going to happen to you, what, what will take place tomorrow. He says, all of these things will be taken care of if you'll seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Well, how, do I, how, do I, how do I seek the kingdom? You've got to be intentional. It's an, it's an intentional thing. It's, it's not just something that you float through life and go, well, you know, I go to church three times a month. I, get, I, I, I don't know why I haven't found the kingdom yet. Don't do anything else, but that, I do that. You know, and I put $20 in the plate one of those weeks. You know, I don't know. Where is this kingdom? We, we have so much to do that we don't have time for what matters. And you have to schedule it. You have to make it. 
It's, uh, you need ritual. I, I talked about this last week, and I mentioned some rituals in my life. And one of the rituals is that Margaret and I, you know, kiss but after we pray over our meal and before we eat. I mean, you know, that's a, uh, it just makes the meal sweeter, you know, and it also keeps the marriage together. Uh, it's, it's a nice thing. And I got, I got a text this week from somebody saying, thanks for the new ritual. And I knew which one they were talking about. Yeah. Because I also mentioned some other rituals that are in my life and rituals that just, if we see, we, we think that uh, finding rest is a matter of getting more sleep. You know, there are Christians who go, well, I, 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 I can't get up and go to church on Sunday morning because I need rest. I've I, I got to sleep more. Uh, I, that doesn't work for them. Let me, let me just tell you, you know, there, there are times, there are periods in your life when you're not getting all that much sleep, but you feel great. And there are periods in your life when you are sleeping the, the daylights out of things and you're worn out because sleep and rest are not, that's not always the kind of rest that you need. Not, not necessarily the most important kind of rest. And once again, I'm not saying don't sleep, but I'm saying, you know, that that's not necessarily the answer. Ritual. So what, what do I do? I need to make some room in my life for, how about three things? How about the word? You know, how can you obey his teaching if you don't know what it is? I mean, really? Say, so, well, I, I, I listen to you sometimes. <laughs> if, if I say something you like, you listen to me. Uh, well, you know, I, I, I listen to some tapes. I listen... Read the Word every day. I, I, you know, I don't. it doesn't have to be for an hour. I mean, if you got an hour, that's great. Give it an hour. But 10 minutes, read it every day. You, you can't, um, if you don't do that, you can't imagine what it will do to your life if you'll start doing it. Can't imagine. And you say, well, the Bible's hard to... Well, don't read Deuteronomy. Read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Well, Paul gets confused. And, and Revelation, that is so... Read Matthew. Say, so, well, all right. You know, I finished Matthew. What do I do now? Read it again. And again, because, see, the Word of God is alive. It's active. The Holy Spirit is an agent that's, that is interacting with Jesus said, when the spirit comes, he will lead you and guide you into all truth. He will bring to your remembrance all that I have said. We can't bring something to your remembrance if you never got it, if you never heard it in the first place. Prayer. Prayer. You know, uh, Martin Luther, there's there's a quote attributed to Martin Luther and it's pretty radical and Uh, You know, I'm not necessarily suggesting there, but the principle is sound. He said, I've got so much to do today. I will never get it all done if I don't start the day with three hours of prayer. 
Now, I'm not saying, you know, you need to start the day with three hours of prayer, but you need to start it with prayer. And you need to pray about some things. There was a thing this past week that I was upset about on the news. Can you imagine me being upset about something on the news? (sighs) And the Lord said, would you like to pray about that? And I said, not really, but I will. And I did. And it's amazingly how differently you engage with your worries and your, and your fears and your concerns when you pray specifically about it. It's amazing how it changes the whole chemistry of what's going on spiritually in, in your life. You need to make time to pray. And, and, and back to the Word, you know, I've been, I've been walking with the Lord now for, for over 43 years, and when I wake up in the morning, I know that at least at this particular time, this is when I'm going to read the Word today. If I didn't, I wouldn't. Because that's just how I am. I get going, and I wouldn't. Ritual. Uh, and, then, and then lastly, uh, fellowship. And uh, this is not just fellowship with other believers, although, yes, it's an important ritual. Uh, and when you come to church, that, that, the act of coming is a ritual, an important one. I mean, you may go to a church that's loosey-goosey and woo-woo as it can possibly be, but you going is a ritual if it's something that you regularly do. Uh, and it's an important one, and, it, and it's something that's needed. And, and you know, and if you got some place outside of Sunday morning that you can go and be with Christians and hang out with Christians, have fellowship. It's an important ritual. How about uh, fellowship with God? I mean, he, he saved you because He wanted to hang out with you. He'd like to spend some time with you. Uh, yeah, Nora, will you and uh, your mom come on out? Uh, this last Wednesday... Uh, Spring House Presents was great. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm sorry Justin went into so much debt. But it was, uh, it was great. And uh, had a lot of really cool moments. Uh, not the least of which, by any means, was... Uh, um, can you put my, my slide back up? Uh, not the least of which, by any means, was uh, Nora doing this song. And we were talking in staff this week about... Uh, about this topic, about people being so, so weary, so, uh, so strung out. And, uh, and so uh, Kevin was saying, I think you ought to open up the altar and have a time for people to come down. And, and I've been thinking about it, praying about it, but the truth of the matter is, I don't know what to do with you if you get down here. Uh, so here's, here's what we're going to do. Uh, Nora's going to do the song that she did. Uh, on Wednesday night. And if you're able, I would like for you to kneel where you are. If not, I mean, just change your posture, your physical posture in some way. And consider this. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. The Creator of all the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. His understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary. 
and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and, and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. He doesn't want you to be a, a starling fighting against the wind. He's called you to be an eagle. So that when the wind comes, it just takes you higher. My hope is that the Holy Spirit would move on our hearts to create the rituals we need and to lose the ones that are stealing our freedom.